living the United Methodist way of life through unrelenting grace. With the author of Unrelenting Grace, Bishop Kenneth Carter. This is part one of a two-part series here on episode 61 of To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Easy just to keep the law of them often, but it's to, to, to dig deeper and to find some grace uh, is more difficult. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Bishop Tremble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people, and welcome to To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble, the podcast that offers a kind and reassuring word to those who need it the most. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. In today's episode, we bring you a conversation with an esteemed guest whose work has propelled him to the forefront of the conversation surrounding faith and its application in the modern world. Bishop Kenneth Carter is one of the most respected voices in the Christian community, known for his ability to speak with warmth, conviction, and candor. As the Episcopal leader of the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, Bishop Carter has spent years working towards developing a deeper understanding of the challenges that congregations around the world face. He draws heavily on his personal faith, and we hear his personal faith story in this episode, to guide him as he navigates these complicated waters, seeking out new ways to share his knowledge and to support others. Bishop Carter is also an accomplished author, having penned 18 books that explore the complexities of faith and grace and spirituality. His most recent book is called Unrelenting Grace, A United Methodist Way of Life, and it's the primary topic of our conversation here today. In this book, he reflects on the challenges that the COVID-19 pandemic and the conflict in the United Methodist Church over human sexuality have brought and how personal, and collective exhaustion has been exacerbated by a globally polarized society, politically and otherwise. Despite this, he's quick to remind us 
of the unceasing love and grace of God in our lives. Bishop Carter is joined on this podcast episode by our host, Bishop Julius C. Tremble, and myself. And during this episode, we discuss the importance of facing challenges on the basis of faith, the significance of finding a way of for believers to find a third way approach to resolving tensions and finding common ground. We also touch on, on in depth in, on Bishop Carter's book, Unrelenting Grace, and examine its relevance to the Christian community at large. This is part one of a two-part episode. Part two will be available at 2beencouraged.com slash 062, where Bishop Carter, Bishop Trimble, and myself will continue this conversation around unrelenting grace. But right now, we invite you to sit back and relax and tune in and focus in this vital and important conversation that I think you're going to find fascinating about the world of faith and its focus on your life and the power of grace with Bishop Kenneth Carter and Bishop Julius Trimble here on the To Be Encouraged podcast. Hello again, good people, and welcome to To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble, the podcast where we look to offer an encouraging word to an often discouraged world. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Our guest today is Bishop Kenneth Carter from the Western North Carolina Conference, United Methodist Church. He's the author of 18 books, but the most recent book that he has written is called Unrelenting Grace, A United Methodist Way of Life. Bishop Trimple, would you help us welcome Bishop Carter to our podcast today? Uh, welcome, my brother Ken. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast. And and we know uh, not only do United Methodists listen to the podcast, but other people, sometimes people searching for meaning in the Christian life and some with questions and some just, uh, you know, like to hear good content and conversation. So welcome, Ken, uh, a colleague over the years. And uh, I haven't read all 18 books, but I've read several of your books. And uh, I think this this book is really timely, given where we are as a denomination. Uh, so thank you for writing Unrelenting Grace, uh, which is a very accessible book, and I highly recommend it for laity and clergy. So Bishop Carter, uh, thank you for the introduction from and the welcome from uh, Bishop Trimble. But Bishop Carter, one of the things we always like to do here is to look, get a little bit about your faith story, how you came to Christ in the first place, and what eventually led you to where you're at now as the bishop in the, in the church and writing books. Yeah, well, thank you, Brad, and thank you, Bishop Trimble. I have tremendous respect for Bishop Trimble and as a leader, as a preacher, as a, a, a servant of the church. Uh, I uh, grew up in the Deep South, and I would say my coming to Christ happened in several different ways, uh, and I don't know that they're all chronological. Uh, I remember uh, as a late teen reading through the New Testament uh, one spring and recognizing that this was all for me and that it was about trusting 
that God could do something with my life, which was much more uh, wonderful and powerful than I could. Uh, that was a part of it. Uh, but I could also look back and see that my grandparents uh, and my mother had been instrumental in my faith. And just a couple of really pivotal stories along the way were that, uh, and I've written about this, my parents' marriage ended when I was in junior high school. And we were a part of a church that was not a Methodist church, United Methodist Church. And uh, we needed to leave that church for a while. And one of my mother's friends, she was a teacher, invited us to her United Methodist Church, Epworth United Methodist Church in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, and they accepted us and embraced us. And just as a kid growing up in a kind of a chaotic family, that really meant something to me that I probably couldn't even put into words. But uh, it was simply that they welcomed us. Uh, and uh, in the name and spirit of Jesus. And then I stayed home and went to college. And uh, the next part of the story was that uh, inner city church and that uh, in Columbus found out about me and asked if I would be their youth director. And this was a church with 70 people over 70 and 20 youth and nobody in between. And they asked me and I said yes. And I did that for two or three years. And in about the second year, uh, one Sunday morning, I was teaching them and I knew nothing about being a teacher, being a youth minister. I was just trying to stay a little bit ahead of the youth. And uh, we realized that none of them had been baptized or had made a profession of faith or had joined the church. Hmm. And they all wanted to do that. And so I went to the pastor and I said, "These uh, the youth would all like to be baptized. They're ready to profess their faith and publicly, and they're, well, they want to be a part of this church. And so the next Sunday, they all walked forward. They all made a profession of faith. They were all baptized. I'm sure in the South Georgia Conference, that was an anomaly in the statistical reports <laughs> that year for East Island United Methodist Church. And so those two experiences, along with reading the New Testament and my family are, are all part of that. Yeah. Well, Bishop Tribble, I know that uh, you've been uh, really digging deep into Bishop Carter's new book and you know him well. And so what, uh, what kind of thoughts are you having today? What would you like to find out from, uh, ask Bishop Carter about? Well, I want to start with what my granddaughter, Corinne, uh, teach, taught me. And that is to say, thank you first. So thank Thank you, Ken, for, for writing and for leading and for speaking clearly uh, and providing what I call a theological accessibility. So I think lay people, Sunday school confirmation students could all read this book. I, I, I was at the West Ohio Conference, preached their memorial service a few days ago with Bishop Palmer, and I saw them unloading box loads of this book to give out to the, give out to the delegate. Of course, if every conference did that, I guess this might make the, the uh, New York New York Times bestseller. But I don't know. We, I I just bought them for my cabinet members, so I, I don't I don't have the kind of I don't have a budget to do to do the whole conference. But you you in your in unrelenting grace, something you said, Brad. I'm I hope I'm not still in your question, but uh, why unrelenting grace? You know, we talk a lot about grace. Was that your choice, or maybe the publisher's choice? I don't know, but what what's the what what distinguishes un, unrelenting grace 
and and as we as we focus on the we, I really like the way you talk about the way the way of the way the way of life versus a set of doctrines. Right, right. Well, thank you again. You know, I think that it, the book acknowledges that we're in a tough time. Uh, I'll just share with you in Indiana. I was on a phone call with Pat Miller on January 6th uh, during the events that happened in the Capitol building. We were still doing the work of the commission on the way forward. And so that just that memory came back to me. We've been uh, in a hard time in terms of the pandemic, the polarization, the exhaustion that spiritual leaders have. And it's just to go back to the bedrock of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And the unrelenting part of it is that uh, God just keeps offering that to us, despite all of the surroundings and circumstances. And it's just the Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace we've been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not the result of my works, lest I should boast, and and then I think also that, that God kind of relentlessly wants to be in a relationship with us, pursues us. And then that uh, the additional part of it is in a very difficult time when many of us are, I'll speak for myself, I'm not always at my best. Uh, and I think people have just been doing the best they can in many situations that we are called as followers of Jesus to offer this grace to others, uh, not to try to write people off and um, and to try to have second chances, to try to rebuild relationships. Uh, and I talk about this some uh, in the book, but beyond it, and all of us maybe have people in our families where, or in our churches where things have happened the last few years, and I could go into more detail, but but so that's the part of the unrelenting. Uh, I think that is just a powerful force, and it's just at the heart of our faith. It's what drove the Wesleys and and Francis Asbury and Richard Allen and the whole stream of the tradition to share the gospel in every kind of place. That phrase unrelenting, Bishop Trimble and Bishop Carter, just can help remind me what came to my mind when I first heard the term unrelenting, kind of two thoughts. One is that's a, a bit of an uncomfortable word. What I mean by that is it goes right. to people think stubborn. People th- sometimes think annoying. People think painful sometimes with unrelenting. But I also thought biblically about Genesis 32, Jacob wrestling with God, coming out with a, messed up hip and a different name and how, but he got the blessing in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of my mentors said a long time ago, law is easy. Grace is hard. Uh, And uh, it is easy. It is easy to, uh, and it's easy just to keep the law of them often. But it's to, to, to dig deeper and to find some grace uh, is more difficult. And, uh, and so that's, I, I love the way, Brad, you kind of put together. Yes, those two words, we don't always put them together. Can, can, may, can you help us? I, I think you do this in the book, but you do it as well. And in, in when you speak and in, 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 in lead in teaching opportunities, as you've done over the years, 
you talk about the focusing on the we. I'm unapologetically United Methodist. I believe in the connection right. uh, as a as a way of life versus I, I'm, I may be paraphrasing, but versus just uh, aligning ourselves with a set of doctrines. Can you say more mm -hmm. about the the weeness yeah. the weeness of being a follower of Christ and the and and being United Methodist as a way of life versus who's right and who's wrong about a particular set of doctrines? Right, right. You know, I think it was Dr. James Logan, who was the first East Stanley Jones professor at one of our seminaries. He taught at Wesley Seminary, who said, and it's been said by a number of people along the way, that you, Methodism did not begin with a, in a doctrinal controversy. Hmm. In other words, we didn't begin in England and in America and in the Caribbean and other places because we had a doctrinal disagreement with the Reformation or with the Church of England. It was how we were putting our doctrine into practice or not. And so it was, there was a church, but the church was disconnected from the children of coal miners. And so we started the Kingswood schools and there were cathedrals, but they were unrelated to people's spiritual struggles. And so, so we started the class meetings and the band meetings. And there was this empire uh, this throughout the world that was related intimately to the church. Uh, but we were not relating that to the practice of enslaving people. And so Almost 250 years ago, Wesley wrote Thoughts Upon Slavery. And, and so it was really about a way of life. And I'll also say I was a pastor for 28 years before I served as, began serving as a bishop. And uh, often um, there would just be something about a Methodist Christian and people would come to our church and they would say, I'm not this and I'm not that, but I'm Methodist. And so we tried to figure out what does that mean? And it really means a person who, who really works on their spiritual life, and, but also really works on making their community a place where everybody can flourish. And, and that's love of God and neighbor and that's the way Wesley's, the Wesley's described holiness. Holiness was not separating ourselves from anybody. Holiness was loving God and loving our neighbor. And, and Wesley talks about that. John Wesley does in the plain account of Christian perfection and the scripture way of salvation and the almost Christian. And I could go on and on. We never thought it was the, the Methodist way of life was quarantining ourselves away from unholy people. Uh, and that's why Wesley said, the world is my parish. And that's why Wesley said, there's no holiness, but social holiness. Uh, and so I have known these people all my life. And many of them are people who blessed me. They're the they're the people who were the school teachers and school principals and nurses and doctors and small business people. And, you know, they're the people who make their community a better place. And, and I just love it when, when someone in a community does something extraordinary 
and I find out they're a United Methodist. <laughs> and I think they got this from this faith. Mm. Yeah. Amen. 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 You talk a lot about generous orthodoxy. Uh, how, how might a lay person understand generous orthodoxy? You know, I think first I want to say that um, orthodoxy means, uh, you know, I believe the scriptures. I believe the creeds. I believe the hymns I was taught. And I'm a product of all of those preachers and all of those Sunday school teachers and all of those coaches and people I just met along the way who discipled me. And so I have a high view of scripture and I believe the articles of religion. You know, I believe, I believe this. And so that's an orthodoxy. But uh, as I talk about in the book, we need to also use the word generous with it uh, because orthodoxy can be like a knife that also uh, cuts cuts out a division that includes some people, not others. Uh, and to me, at the heart of orthodoxy is grace, uh, God's amazing grace, God's infinite, marvelous grace. Uh, and so grace is at the heart of it. And so that's what I mean by generous, that uh, it's generous that it includes us and, and that it's a gift. Uh, and there are expressions of, say, Christian orthodoxy in this world. Um, and uh, if you're outside of that orthodoxy, if people are within that orthodoxy and they think the people within this orthodoxy are the saved, everyone else is not, it's a dark place to be. Mm. Uh, and that's why Wesley, I think, was such a great evangelist, because he didn't think anybody was outside of uh, the reach of God's grace. Well, Bishop Carter, I, I really mentioned how your book here can be used as a, as a practical, pragmatic tool for mm -hmm. churches and clergy who are in the middle of it, <laughs> if you know what I mean, in the middle of, right, the, right, uh, right. of the mess that's out there. And the strain is there. The strain is there among clergy right. and churches and disaffiliation is just one yeah. indicator of that. But I wanted to, to touch on this area, you talk about how we connect with each other with something you call the third way. Can you say a word about what that means and unpack that a little bit? Because I think that might be an important tool for uh, for churches and clergy. Yeah, I think the third way is uh, our not being caught up in what I call binaries. Uh, and that is the way we label people. And, you know, we have this grid speaking about the United States of, and I always knew this, I'd preach to people for 20, 25, 30 minutes, and then they would go home and watch five hours of their favorite cable news show, <laughs> which would absolutely place people in these two binaries. And so a third way is simply looking for what is our common ground? What can we work on together? Uh, what can we find agreement about? And can we not see the other person uh, uh, at their worst, but try to see them at their best? That's a little bit of what I mean by searching for a third way. Sometimes that's how people can come together 
uh, in mission. I mean, for example, I'm the co-chair of the United Methodist Roman Catholic Dialogue and with a, with a Roman Catholic bishop. Now, we are not entertaining the idea that our two traditions are going to uh, structurally unite. You know, there's some, there simply are some matters upon which we we don't agree, but we're working on, and this is, I know, something Bishop Trimble has given tremendous leadership. We're working on on bapti- our common baptism. We recognize each other's baptisms and human migration. Uh, and so Bishop Trimble, Trimble's done a great deal on behalf of immigration reform. And so trying to find ways we can work together. Uh, sometimes it's churches who might not, not have the same doctrine, but they can work on gun violence or they can work on uh, the public schools, strengthening the public schools. Uh, and so that's what I mean by finding a third way. And, and I think local churches have an easier way of doing this than denominations, because in local churches, people are sitting together in a choir, they're on an intercessory prayer list together. Uh, They are doing service in their community. And it's just simply trying to say, let's search for something deeper uh, than what divides us. And there are matters about which divide us. And so I'll I'll share with you just an experience. Um, uh, My aunt, favorite aunt died this past year. My mother died in 2019. They were sisters and they were very close. And I was close with the cousins, the children of these two women. And toward the end of her life, I got to say to my aunt how much she had done for our family. And she really helped us out in a couple of crucial times along the way. And I was able to to say that to her. And so her four children were always close cousins. But I would say when, when Donald Trump was elected president, it just sort of went quiet between us. And, and nobody was right and nobody was wrong. It just got a little more distant and a little more quiet. Does that make any sense? And, and so, and so, and so uh, when my Aunt Anne died, uh, I called my four cousins. And I'm, I'm not like the hero of this story, but, but I simply called them and I said, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm sorry about the loss of your mom. She, we loved her. And I said to them, you know, I know things have become a little more strained between us. And from my side, I don't want to go through the rest of my life not having a relationship with you. And, uh, and, and, and the conversations just kind of went on from there. And I'm not saying they were, uh, they, no one did anything wrong. I'm just saying that searching for some common ground. In that instance, I thought this is a window that's here and it may not come along again. And, uh, and so I just think a third, a third way is uh, beyond what divides us to what we can do together. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what, what it means to me. This is a good place for us to uh, hit the pause button, as it were, here on episode number 61 of To Be Encouraged. I do want you to know that this indeed is part one of a two-part series on This topic of unrelenting grace, the book by Bishop Kenneth Carter from the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church will 
pick up the conversation at tobeencouraged.com slash 062. Bishop Trimble and myself, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, had a great conversation here today with Bishop Carter about the topics that were both insightful and, and thoughtful. So let's recap them for just a moment about a few key themes. One key theme discussed was the idea of focusing on the we rather than the me. And this is seen through Bishop Carter's lens of understanding the unrelenting grace of God and the importance in living out one's faith. In his book, he discussed throughout this episode using the book as an accessibility tool for those who wanted to deepen their understanding of faith and how to lift up the primacy of grace. Another theme that was explored was the importance of finding common ground and building relationships, even with those whom we may not agree with on all matters. This is what Bishop Carter calls the third way, a third way approach, which is seen as a way forward for building stronger communities that can work together towards a common goal of making our world a better place. Bishop Carter spoke about the Methodist way of life and emphasized how it was not about just aligning oneself with a set of doctrines, but rather a way of life about the importance of being unapologetically Methodist in following Christ as a path of both personal holiness and social justice, making our communities better places. We also talked about orthodoxy. Bishop Carter emphasized that it should be a that we should have a generous understanding of our orthodox beliefs and that everyone, including those outside of the orthodoxy, outside of our understanding of beliefs, should be included with the heart of God's grace. One last thing, the importance of personal relationships was highlighted. Whether that be working along with fellow clergy, uh, on a book or reaching out to other folks who are estranged, find connections as is a powerful way to build bridges towards understanding. In this episode, episode 61 of To Be Encouraged, Bishop Kenneth Carter gives us reminders about the unrelenting grace of God and the importance of focusing on relationships to build stronger and more loving community. You can find a lot of that in Bishop Carter's inspiring book, Unrelenting Grace. We'll put links to that in our show notes at tobeencouraged.com. It is an excellent resource and a guide for anyone looking to deepen their understanding and put their faith into place. Look for part two of this interview, of this episode with Bishop Kenneth Carter to be at tobeencouraged.com. The purpose and the meaning of existence of the To Be Encouraged podcast is to offer a word of hope and grace to an often graceless world. Speaking on behalf of the host of To Be Encouraged, Bishop Julius C. Trimble, I am Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, encouraging you to always do all the good that you can. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated. 
for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen to Be Encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast, where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember, to listen next week, to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble, and never forget, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.